Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Another episode of Full Court Press, presented to you by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Nick Smith, and joining me tonight is Luke Alves. What up, Luke? Not much, man. You know, excited to finally talk some more draft, um, you know, draft talk now that we know the crazy order of whatever just happened last week with the uh, whole lottery <laughs> draft. But very exciting, very exciting, you know, excited to now put my mind exactly what the order is instead of me and you doing our hypothetical here's this and here's that or you know so now now we know and and kind of funny i almost called it that the knicks getting the number four pick i did my what if was what if they don't get in the top three and man getting number three i bet every knicks fan just shit themselves knowing that they could have got four so lucky lucky (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, they were they were projected. I think uh, like odds placement. Um, I think their average pro- projection was like three point six or three point seven. So they ended up exactly where um, where you know the odds would say they would be, um, either three or four, and they ended up three. Um, but still, like. I don't think any Knicks fan is happy. Like they're, they're they're all devastated that they didn't get Zion. Um, but hey, just real quick because uh, you know Juwan and I did a um, a draft lottery recap show last Saturday. So uh, anybody who hasn't seen that, be sure to go check that out. Um, but uh, you know you you haven't been on for a little while. Just what are your, what were your general thoughts with? The order shaking out the way it did with New Orleans getting one, Memphis two, um, New York three, and the fucking Lakers getting number four. I mean, I liked it. I think it's very interesting. It just, um, you know, you can never have a, pa- a perfect draft perform. They always are changing it. But this one made right. it interesting, like, just because so many things can happen. Like, if you honestly think about it, like, Knicks fans are mad that they got the number three pick. But you would be mad if you are the Cavs and the Bulls, who also had a 14% chance and slid right yeah. out of the top four. So that made it Hawks. really interesting. And then you got, like, teams like the Hawks who are kind of doing it right. So I think it's kind of like now you're not going to see as much tanking because anything can happen. Like, you can be a decent team, like, play well at home, you know. Even if you're a bad team, try to get those wins. You're not just tanking or sending people because anything can happen. Um I like it for the small market teams winning it over the big market teams in the um, top four. I was telling uh, my buddy when I was watching it live, I was like, watch the NBA do something crazy instead of doing the scenario that we all think it's going to be Knicks, Lakers, 
uh, you know, Memphis New Orleans, I was going to, I said, they're going to flip flop it and, and ended up kind of crazily just, it makes more sense. Yeah. Um, it kind of, you know, I just, the Lakers getting up there, um, I hate it. I hated every minute of it. Um, they do not <laughs> deserve anything. I'm just happy that there's just wildfire going on in their organization. So them getting the fourth pick, <laughs> yeah. them getting the fourth pick isn't necessarily a great thing because it's kind of just like uh, we'll get into it more, but it's just one of those ones where you didn't get a top, you didn't get in the top three, so you got number four. Right. But still, them jumping up that far, it's just crazy. I mean, I like it. I think. Um, in years to come, because it'll be, I mean, people will complain and complain, and they'll probably, re, you know, change it up again. And But I think for the time being, it's, it's very interesting. It made it more exciting. Like, now watching as a fan, you're kind of more excited. Like, oh, man, oh, crap. Like, when I was just seeing people fly, like, I mean, it just, it happened so quick, just like one team getting up to the yeah. top four. So I, I, I like it, honestly. I mean, there's no perfect way or scenario you can do this, so might as well make things interesting and just show the league that, hey, you don't need to be tanking because it might not necessarily be the best thing in your odds. Yeah, see, like, here's here's my, like, one saving grace from it as a Hawks fan. I Like, a lot of a lot of my fellow Hawks fans think, like, you know, oh, well, you know, we, we're prime ready. We're, like, we're going to make the playoffs next year. And I'm like, oh, slow your roll. We're not probably, – we're probably not going to make the playoffs next year. I won't say, like, we won't because, like, you know, we saw Sacramento almost make the playoffs this year. Um, and this, the Hawks team making a playoff-esque run next year would be similar to that. Um, but nevertheless, like, I could see us right in that, like, 8, 9, 10 range uh, next season. And, like, you know, maybe we get lucky. I don't know why a Georgia I, – I, like any team from Georgia would ever get lucky, but like if we were to, maybe we move into the top four next season. Um, it does give teams with that um, that uh, range, that six, seven, eight, nine, ten range, um, like something to kind of look forward to and to have like hold some amount of optimism for um, going into the lottery. Uh, it, it just makes it a, a little. Um, you know, a, a little less rare that, that a team in that range would move up. Um, the fact that so many teams moved up, I, I thought was very beneficial, um, almost um, uh, inscrutably beneficial to the NBA and what they're trying to um, do as far as it pertains to tanking. Um, you know, uh, just calling a spade a spade there. Um uh, but nevertheless, uh, it definitely makes it more entertaining. I think they need to work out a better way to announce the picks. Like, I think it, ha- it all happens a little too quick. I think there could be more build-up pick-to-pick. Um, I'd like to see that next year. It's just as, in, as far as the presentation of it. Because um, I, think, I think, like, you could almost do it like the draft, almost, like, where people talk about it. You give, like – a little like maybe not as much time. You don't have to have five minutes in between each each um, uh, uh, you know where each team is picking. But like having like a couple minutes, like shoot over to like Woj and Rachel, and like having all those guys like you know be able to like chat a little bit, like to to really build it up and like to explain whatever how everything is happening and what what it means. Like the fact that the Lakers 
weren't announced when they were supposed to be announced, like that would be a great opportunity for them to like pause for just a couple minutes and be like, well, fuck, like let's explain what this means for those of you who don't know. Like when the Hawks like were announced at eight, like holy shit, let's explain what this means. This means that three teams have now jumped over the Hawks, which means there will be two other teams that move up. That means that Cleveland and Phoenix are moving down. Like, this is crazy. Like, like fuck. Um, I think that would be uh, somewhat beneficial just in their presentation. But, uh, but hey, I, I will say this. I don't necessarily like the new system. I was very um, uh, outward about that when it was approved. Um, but uh, I do think it makes for better television. <laughs> um, and, you know, maybe it doesn't end up combating tanking somewhat uh though you know as i said earlier this season i think it just it just moves tanking the the like the tanking needle um back because like we saw teams like dallas and uh the lakers and you know other teams like say fuck it we're just gonna like sit sit people i mean like look at look at the lakers lineup to round out the season like they're playing alex caruso like huge minutes down the stretch of the season um so uh you know i i just think you're gonna see a different form of tanking um but like you said there's no perfect fix there's no there's no way to wave a wand and make sure you know that it doesn't happen um but who knows we'll see uh you know, I mean, it's it's obviously just the first year. We'll see how it pans out. But let's get into our mock. Um, so I, I kind of want to just start it off like this. Um, one, two, three. I have Zion obviously going to New Orleans, John ja Morant going to Memphis, R.J. Barrett going to New York. Um, do you have? Is there? Is, are there? Out well. Do you have a different two and three, um, I'll say, because um, obviously we all have Zion number one. We don't have to belabor that point, um, but uh, do, do you see two and three the same way I do? No, yeah. I mean, I have it exactly like you. I think the majority of everyone have it exactly like you, but here's where I want to – I got some kind of questions just because, you know, one, two, three is very easy, but, you know, I kind of want to not dive into them but give you some kind of interesting things. So one sure. is with the Pelicans. So check this out. If they're able to convince AD, you know, let's run it back. You know, Holiday's starting to look like a really good up-and-coming guard in our mm-hmm. league. Definitely really good defensively and all that. Now you got Zion. Yeah. So if they right now realistically going into next season, they got about, you know, twenty, almost $25 million to spend. Not a super max yet. You know, we're not there yet. But now if you can convince AD to stay. Do they have 25? Stay, I don't think they have 25, dude. They got it. Dude, trust me. They've got pretty – they've got some money. They're $86 million. Are you, are you including so. the cap hold for Zion in that? Uh, might be – like, it's going to be not that uh, – I'm pretty sure I am, but, I mean, still. But just here we go. I'm going to give you more scenarios. So. Okay. If you're all able right, – right, but, me. you know, so you, you have some close – you have just realistically say you're close to $20 million. It's still a lot to play with. Sure. Sure. Now you can take Solomon Hill's contract where everyone's telling you trade, 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 but you weren't going to get anything. Now it's expiring. Now if you convince mm-hmm. AD, hey, stay and play with Zion, now you can trade. 
Solomon Hills, I think he's going to get paid like um, not eighteen million, but he's getting paid a lot. It could be eighteen. It's like twelve so or fifteen. Be, it's it's not egregious. I mean, it but is if you for can his get that off the play, books, but, right? If you get that off the books with the future first round, you're looking at you know you could possibly go get a max now. And I'm yeah, no, I think I think you would have to move both Hill and um and more. Um, but I, I again, I don't think that's impossible. If you're they're both expiring. Um, they they end up being, I think around twenty one million dollars. Like it's like let's say for instance, if I'm the Hawks, um, who have cap space, if I'm the Hawks and you're like we want you to take this twenty one million dollars, we'll give you our first round pick next season. Like yeah, I'm gonna fucking take that. Like no fucking doubt. And I do think you're correct. That would the if you got off of both of those without taking any money back, that would open up max cap spot because your your only major contracts would be Anthony Davis, uh Drew Holiday, which are both not even in the thirty million dollar range. They're in the, the, the high twenty mid to high twenties. Um and then Zion would be just under ten. Okay, so check it. So this is okay, so they'll have eighty eight million. So this is with Zion's contract, but this is Julius Randle opting out because Julius Randle's contract mm. is basically gonna be with Zion. He will so opt out. This is with Randle. So this is with Randall's contract up and down, Zion taking the place. So right, they have 88, so they do have 26. So that means they could, if they realistically want to keep each one more and get Solomon Hill and still have money to get a max. So you, you do have some pieces now, and New Orleans is looking like it could be interesting. So it just puts the whole, like, you know, out of, like, not pressure, but, like, what do you do as an organization? Can you convince Anthony Davis to say, I mean, Zion's not going to be good right out the gates, but if you get like a a Butler, because you remember he was always rumored to trade there beforehand, and you got Butler, Holiday, and Davis, that's a good one, two, and three, and now you're letting Zion do maybe, his thing. Maybe, maybe you're trying to be make a your top pitch four to Kyrie. Team. Yeah, I mean, hey, if you wanted to go guard, guard, and go Kyrie, you know, Holiday, Anthony Davis, and Zion, they could definitely do a lot of things. So it's it makes them interesting because they can go from a really bad team or convince Anthony Davis to stay, do some, you know, trades, and now your terrible Solomon Hill thing's not as bad, and you can trade it away for a future first round, and now you could vault yourself to a top four team. So, I just think that uh, New Orleans is in a very um, interesting place, um, you know. So, my next, yeah, I don't, my next one is I think. Uh, let me well let me comment on that just real quick. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis came out like immediately, or his camp did, and said he still wants to be traded. Now they do have the luxury of of um, you know basically uh, you know waiting until the trade deadline. Um, but with that being said, with him coming out and saying that, I like I don't waste any time. Um, I try to get the me personally, if I was David Griffin, I would try to get the best deal possible. I absolutely believe Gail Benson came out and or didn't like come out and announce, but like um I believe the report that she said like over my dead body we're trading him to the Lakers and then she came out and said, Oh well, no, I didn't actually say that. Yeah, no, you're just you like I, my best guess is David Griffin was like, Hey, like you need to come out and say you didn't say that because we need um we need them to drive up the market on the other teams, even if we don't plan on trading 
him to the Lakers. Like we we can't let the Knicks or the Celtics or anybody else like know that that's the case. Um, so that, that's kind of what I'm thinking here. I, I mean, they're all saying like you know whether it be Gentry or, or, or whether it be David Griffin that they would love to keep him and pair these two guys up. Like AD's gone. He, I do not think they're going to keep him. I would be totally surprised if when the season starts that he's still on that team. Um, I would be um, I, I would be even more shocked if he's on this team past the trade deadline. Um, and I don't think um, – I, I still don't think uh, like a, you're going to get like a max level – uh, guy to come in there and and to keep him there. Um, like I think if you if you really want to try to keep him, what I would be shooting for instead of that, yes, move out of Hill and get um, more off your books, and then try to get like guys that would like potentially like get, go get like a Bojan Bogdanovich, um, who's not going to cost you the max. Um, he's going to cost you a lot of money, but like you still have a little room to play at point guard, and then maybe you can get a Patrick Beverly or you know, um, God, dude, could you imagine Patrick Beverly and fucking Drew Holiday fucking guarding through the fucking perimeter? <laughs> like Jesus, that would be fucking amazing. Um, but like you know, something like that, maybe even like a Darren Collison, because um, he would like I don't think he's going to have a hefty price tag. Um, like I, that is where I think if you're realistically looking at this scenario, that's what you'd be looking for. Nobody's going to commit um, to a, a long-term max contract there, with with it being in the back of their head that Anthony Davis might still walk the following season. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, I just I wouldn't be pressured to trade Anthony Davis then. I have all the free agency to wait for. I mean, I can trade them right before the season starts and all that. So I just, being the Pelicans, yeah, yeah. I would try to oh, convince them. Oh, I would wait them, until after hey, the draft. There's yeah, no I'd be like, way hey, that I'd let trade show him before you, the draft. Yeah, I'd be like, let us show you what we can possibly do and reconsider. So my next one is the John Morant situation. Um, you mm. know, I love being able to draft John Morant for Memphis and him and Triple J playing um, together and just growing. It's going to be a very nice combo. So that makes me think about Memphis and a lot of bad decisions Memphis has always done. And it gets to me thinking, do they finally stop holding on to Conley and finally just trade him? And what if is you trade value Morant, for? You fucking have to, right? But, I mean, but is Conley not a good person to learn under? I mean, you know, for a job to, like, be able to like not have it out of gate day one. Be able to learn from Dude, him, he's like, got a, a really good he's point got an guard. Early termination option the very next year though. Like I, I would say this: you have to trade him by the deadline. You don't have to trade him before the start of the season. So if you want Jaw to learn under him for the first, you know, part of the season. But like here's the thing: like if if I am Memphis, I don't want Jaw coming in, and then I I want him to be a starter immediately. Like, I don't want him coming in and, like, coming off the bench for the first half of the season. Like, I, I mean, I, I can see why, um, like, a team or, or anybody might think that that's a good option. But, like, I just 
one and see what I got. Like we saw it with the Hawks last season. Yeah, Trey struggled, um, like like out of the gate. But like I think because he had that extra time, like he started to like really figure things out. He started to, and if you have a good player, if you have a smart player, like I think John Moran is, um, I think you play him early and you let him figure it out on his own um, because he will. Um, So I think the whole notion of um, like having like a mentor figure, um, I I think it's so overrated. Look at how it worked out for um, the Kings with De'Aaron Fox. Like De'Aaron Fox, they had George Hill and De'Aaron Fox like played like behind him, but like they, they switched it up halfway through the season and he was still kind of shaky. And then in year two, we saw what De'Aaron Fox could do. They should have just given the fucking reins to De'Aaron Fox to begin with and let him figure it out. Because um, if you have somebody who's really good, they're going to figure it out. You don't need them to learn from somebody. And in fact, like I think the better solution, um, and, and this is kind of what the Hawks did, um, they they brought in Jeremy Lin so he could like learn some things from Jeremy Lin but still be the starter. Um, and and I think that is that is what I would be looking at if I'm Memphis. I would not be keeping Mike Connolly even at the start of the season. I would be looking to shop him for what whatever I thought was the best value that I could get in return for him. Yeah, I'm thinking the same way, and I mean, you know me right now. I mean, we've already discussed it before. Um, I feel like a lot of people, especially Celtics fans, think this is a bad idea, but I would trade all the way for Mike Conley. Um, I think Dude, him and Horford great. would be a great – he'd be a great duo with him and Horford and the young guys. Um, just, yeah. I think any team that he could get on to, like even like a Jazz or, you know, some other like team like that, maybe in the Pacers, like he's he's just a really good – point guard for other players and he's very smart I mean if you need him to hit a shot he'll do it but he's going to be a very team friendly so I think he has a lot of like kind of a lot of trade but there's a lot of teams that have money and they're strike out but if I'm a team for say if I'm Danny Age I'm not letting any team I'm going to try if I know Kyrie's out the door I'm not or if I'm a team that needs a point guard and I know I'm not going to get anything I'm trying to make a trade fast for Conley and not let him sit on the market to where now I'm having to yeah. do a bidding war. Right. No, dude. Like, I, yeah, you and I have discussed this. I would totally trade Gordon Hayward and the number 14 pick for him. And, like, I, I, I think I posted this recently and kind of caught a little bit of shit for it because people were like, like, Gordon Hayward is fucking terrible this season. Yeah, well, no shit. Did he just come back from a broken leg? Like, like, dude, do you not remember that it took Paul George's season, like, to get back to like playing competitive basketball? Um, it, it, that's just that's how that kind of thing works. So I don't think like I don't think Gordon Hayward is like washed. Like breaking your leg, um, that doesn't that's not why he's lost a step. Um, like, but, and I think people forget that it's not like an ACL or an Achilles tear or anything like that. It, that doesn't prevent your athleticism. It's, it's the fact that like, because he broke his leg and was out for so long, his conditioning wasn't right. It, you know, he's like bones heal. 
it's muscles and tendons that you really have to worry about. But it still takes a while for you to get back into that shape that you were in before the injury. We saw it with, like I said, Paul George. We're going to see it play out with Yusuf Nurkic. It's going to be a year before he's right again at least. Um, but, like, I, I think because the salaries match, um, if if you're Memphis, you would be getting um, a very good asset in the number 14 pick. Uh, like, I, I, like, I know people are like, well, this draft is really shallow. Yeah, there's still a lot of really good players available at 14, um, especially if you're Memphis because you just have so many needs. So it's not like you're like, well, you know – well, this guy's available there, but he doesn't fit. Like, no, there's plenty of guys who are available there um, who would totally fit your system. Like, honestly, what I would be looking at is um, making that trade and then, like, hope, like, like thinking, like, Grant Williams would be, like, m- the guy that I would want there if I was Memphis. Like, if I could have Jaw, um, Hayward, Grant Williams, and then fucking uh, Triple J playing the five – and then, you know, whoever playing the two and then whatever other pieces I got on my roster, maybe Dylan Brooks playing the two. Um, like, that's a really intriguing lineup to me, and I would I would totally like that. Um, I uh, – and then, you know, obviously if you're Boston, if you get Conley, you know, I think you just – you basically just move Marcus Smart into the starting lineup, slide Brown to the three – uh, keep Tatum at the four and Horford at the five. And then, you know, when you go big, you bring Baines in and, um, you know, um, take one of those guys out. Um, but like, yeah, like I, I don't know. I think it makes a lot of sense to me. I think it's funny that it doesn't make sense to a lot of Celtics fans uh, as far as from what you've seen. Um, and as far as from what I've seen, I guess from either casual fans or non-Celtics fans, it doesn't make sense to Memphis people. To me, like, that's when, you know, when you've got both sides that are like, no, this is terrible. Like, that's sometimes a, uh, you know, a a precursor to actually having a reasonably good trade because fandom is fickle. Oh, yeah, fandom is definitely fickle. So my next one is Knicks with R.J. Barrett. So – I'm disappointed uh, with Knicks fans, not just because, I mean, R.J. Barrett's a great player, and they should be happy they're getting a top three. But he, to me, is only a trade piece because he makes no sense on this team. Don't get me wrong. He's the best available player. You're not skipping on anyone. You're not going for this random. I heard it was really there. Hold on one second. He makes no sense on this team as currently constructed, or he makes no yeah, sense on this team Certainly constructed. Wow. Like, no. Wow. Just listen. Hear me out. Just hear me out. I'll tell you in a okay. second. So, so, it just doesn't make sense to me. I know everyone's going for free agency and all that, and you can do some things. But RJ is the type of player that he's a drive and then kick kind of a guy. And I don't see three-pointers that he's, like, shooters that he's kicking to. I see him kind of running into the Duke issue where, yeah, he's playing around some good people, not anyone like really spectacular and great, but he's not being able to do what he's able to do. So now you're going to figure out and shut him down <coughs> driving. So who's really like Dawson's not a three-point shooter. Um, Trier's not a great three-point shooter. I mean, I'm trying to think of like who, and he needs the ball in his hand. So uh, that's like his, like, you know, how he, he navigates. It's just 
he likes to drive and like you know he he kicks it out the shooter so currently like constructed don't see him making sense though in my mind like a lot all of a lot of the younger guys are just trade pieces to me right now and they're just all in on free agency no i mean i hear you there i do think rj could work there in like numerous amounts of ways because number one um dennis smith jr who you just traded for and is you know a a quote-unquote point guard is not a facilitator so um that that's not what he does best the fact that rj kind of does fit that role um it, it like makes a lot of sense to me why he could fit with him now we saw it not work with Luca and him um with Luca and DSJ um but that doesn't necessarily mean that it wouldn't work with you know somebody else um so i you know i think i i would be optimistic that if if i'm a Knicks fan that even if they were to somehow miraculously miss out on any sort of um you know free agent market um I would feel okay having RJ and the guys that I have with the future cap space and all the picks and everything else. Um, but I, I get where you're coming from. I do because, um, you know, DSJ, not a great shooter. Kevin Knox, God, you know how I feel about Kevin Knox. Um, like a, a, abominable shooter like just atrocious um like i i, I can't i i, I can't like <laughs> get across to to joel just how bad of a shooter he is like joel's like hey, he's not that bad i'm like yeah yeah yes he's not <laughs> um but uh but yeah he's really bad um as far as, far as just his efficiency is this terrible um and uh trier i do like trier I actually really do like Trier. Um, I don't think he was terrible uh, from from like like shooting mid range or um, from from long distance. Um, I think he was about league average as far as three point percentage. I don't have the the numbers in front of me, but I feel like the last time I looked at it, he was like thirty five, thirty six percent from three, which is fine, um, especially for a rookie season. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, and and of course. Um, you know, yet uh, uh, Mitchell Robinson ain't hitting shit like outside of like five feet from the rim. Um, so I do see where you're coming from there. And RJ is not like he's not like a good shooter right now. Like he takes them, he's not afraid to take them. Um, but he he's not like a, a great um, uh, range shooter, um, and he uh, isn't really a great free throw shooter. Which you know. Um, that you know, a high high percentage free throw shooter um, usually is a better use of projection um, towards three point shooting for most players. Uh, at, you know, going from college to the NBA, um, and he's not even that. I think he's like sixty five to sixty seven percent, something like that, on the year. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, all of that is is of concern. Um, but to me, like, if you're the Knicks, like, how invested are you in 
anybody on your team other than Mitchell Robinson. Oh, 100%. That's why I said they're all in on free agency because you literally just named that starting five like if you were to like not get anything. And that sounded absolutely terrible to me. Like, none of it fit. It was just like playing clogging, running into each other, just terrible, terrible. A lot of really bad ideas. They're 100% all in on free agency. I'm telling you. Well, you know what's funny, Don't get me wrong. You know know what's great about this team, though, uh, Luke, is you would have four guys outside of Mitchell Robinson who all think – I'm a fucking baller. Like, DSJ, you know he thinks he's a baller. He's going to take any shot and in, in whatever. Lonzo Trier, baller son, going to take all the shots. Fucking Barrett, same thing. Knox, same thing. Like, yeah, it'd be a lot of really ugly ISO ball if that's what their lineup ends up being next year. But, that's, see, that's my point. Even if they strike out on free agency, I'm not married to any of those guys. Uh, you know, uh, so, like, it, if that does happen, like, I'm like, all right, well, we got RJ, we got Robinson, maybe Trier's a thing, maybe Dennis Smith Jr. can, like, figure things out, maybe Knox can, I don't know, but, like, um, I'm not I'm not panicking, because, uh, you know, you still have the cap space, you have the, the draft picks, you're going to be in the lottery again next year. And you're probably going to be the worst team in the league again next year. Um, and maybe, hey, maybe the results work out better for you uh, next time. But yeah, I I I see where you're coming from. I totally agree with you that he is a he is an asset. Um, he is definitely going to be used along with other pieces um, in some way, shape, or form to try to get you um, better talent to surround KD. Um, and whoever else they get, whether it's Kyrie, Kimba, Jimmy Butler, whatever. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting um, for the Knicks. Um, I hope nothing but, you know, the worst for them. But, you know, hey, I do like a relevant New York team, so it makes it better for the league. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Um, all right. Uh, let's get into the real minutia of this podcast. Um, the number four pick, because this is where things really get interesting. Uh, like, who goes where? Number four, uh, Lakers. And that I know that just pains you to hear. Um, who do you got going four to the Lakers? So, um, like I was saying earlier, um, I like I don't like the Lakers being, but uh, and then again, it's nothing better for them because it's <clears throat> it really doesn't help them besides just being a, a trade asset. Because I'm now looking at like okay, first off, this is a LeBron team; they're on three-year window. So any of these guys really coming in and giving you that three-year window? I mean, everyone I've been seeing a lot of people going with um, DeAndre Hunter out of. Um, you know, Virginia, Ooh. but just I don't yeah. see that being like LeBron being like, I yeah, yeah, that that really tipped the cap for me, guys. Like, I just don't right. see him. I mean, yeah, he's getting college, and I don't see him in that three-year like period. So now I've been like really like thinking about him. Like, man, who's just like someone that LeBron can play with that can get his shot and create on his own end? 
I'm going back to a guy who I had number four at my first mock draft, and you kind of oh. alluded at it when we were talking earlier. I'm going with Darius Garland. I went back, okay. watched some film about him again. I watched, you know, one of his games that uh, that he had before he got injured, and he knows how to create his own shot. He knows how to get he his own bucket. I mean, he definitely He's, does. He has all... shades of Damian Lillard going on. Yeah, so he knows how to do that. But also, if I'm the Lakers, I'm saying a big fuck you to the other teams that really need another point guard, and they're like, right. oh, like the Suns or the Bulls to make it drive up even more my trade asset. So, I, like, yeah. it, like no player I feel like right now is going to play with LeBron or, like, you know, take him over that. But I feel like Garland, if he were to be with him, you know, he can get his own shot. Um, you know, he's obviously promised something at the draft combine. If he's, like, the the three above him didn't even do anything measurements and they got, you know, they all have knowing they're going top three. But he's the other person that didn't go get anything. He got a promise. And I just feel like, you know, if I'm the Lakers, I want – as much trade value as I can get in this. And now I see a lot with, um, you know, me holding Garland. Now Suns Bulls are kind of in a position. Or I can go to Wizards and be like, yo, here's Garland and Ingram. Let me get Beal. And that works out because, you know, Wizards are going to need, you know, they don't necessarily – they do have the atrocious John Wall contract. I'm not trading out all Ingram. Next- but, but you know, it's scary for Ingram. I mean, you could put it, something else in there, but, I mean, you put it around Garland to go get Beal, but, you know, you could give them, you, you tell them, like, you have a whole year with Garland figuring out, and then you, they could play next to each other and all that. So there's a lot of trade value in getting Darius Garland right here. Just because I just Very I don't see a – I don't see a Culver or DeAndre Hunter or any of these guys, like, really helping. And, and then a center, I don't see any – Defensive centers, really, I'm not no. I'm not taking a leap that high. So, might as well take a leap on a guy that actually looked really good in, like, the small amount of games that he was played in. He's going to be able to work out for teams, and he knows how to get to his shot. And that's just really just, like, key in today's NBA. Like, can you create on your own, and can you get to, like, can you get to your shot? And he he looked out of all the rest of these guys, because, like, like we said, it, it goes from four to about 20 it's your preference of people and what you think on what team. I mean, I, I've got some crazy things going on later on, but yeah. So I went with Garland. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I, uh, I, I, you know, we obviously, uh, Juwan and I covered the recent news that, uh, or, or rumor, I guess, um, that the Bulls are potentially interested in trading for Lonzo. Um, like, if I'm the Lakers, I'm totally calling up the Suns and being like, hey, I'm, we're taking Garland at four. Like, do you want Lonzo for six? Because, like, I mean, honestly, would you prefer Lonzo Ball? Like, proven, like, good defensive player, proven facilitator. Yeah, he struggles to shoot. But, like, dude, like, he would be great for your backcourt to pair with Booker. Um, you know, would you rather have him? Or, or or would you would you rather like roll the dice on Kobe White because you need a point guard um, unless you want to make Devin Booker your point guard but it, I don't think that's the best move for you um, so like with that being said I, I, if Polinka is smart enough and and calcu- calculable enough to to pull that off I think that would be my move um, and. Like I, I, I'm not gonna say 
this is my scenario. Um, like I'm not gonna like say like I'm, we're not including trades in this in this thing per se. If you want to, fine. But I I, I wasn't really. Um, but I definitely would bring that to the table. Um, but uh, you know, if, if you do that and you are able to get four and six, then like I would definitely take Culver because you know Garland's going to be there at six because you know Cleveland's not going to take him at five. Um, so that would be like the best case scenario for the Lakers is you have Culver and Garland and you can like utilize them because like to me that's the kind of package that could get you Bradley Beal. Like I've, I'll give you Culver, I'll give you Garland, I'll give you I don't know uh, uh, Kuzma and you know, a, a future first. Like, that's a really fucking good package to get for Bradley Beal. Um, so, like, yeah, I I, um, I don't know. I, I'm going to go Culver because I think they're going to make some kind of move on the fringes. Um, now, if they were to trade with the Bulls, I think they go Garland because they know – they they would think that the Suns would take Garland, and there's not like Kobe. The drop off between the hype of Garland and Kobe White is, is significant, whereas the drop off between uh, Culver, Hunter, Cam uh, is not as significant. Um, so a lot of things can change this. Like we said, there's so many moving parts that are going to have to happen to see who actually picks. But for now, I'm going Culver with the notion that maybe they can trade um, with the Suns. Um, but, yeah. So, anyway, Culver for me, number four. All right. Number five, Cleveland. Who you got? <laughs> okay. So, you kind of, like, almost stole, like, what I was going to say before when we were talking about. So, here's my theory with Cleveland. They have all the – like, for me, like, in my scenario – they have all the writings on the wall to make the good, smart, kind of like, you know, smart play and taking um, Culver. But hear me out. I feel like <laughs> Cleveland's the type of team that likes hype and, you know, and like a higher ceiling in a player and um, more offensive threats. And especially with their new coach and Jim um, Bayon. You know, he's a very offensive-minded coach. Um, he likes to develop sure. and all that, and I feel like he could definitely help a player that looked like he kind of lost his way on, you know, a really kind of stacked team. And I'm going with Cam Reddish here. Um, it just, it's the sexy pick for them, for the Cavs. Um, he, he, don't get me wrong, I do not, like, in my, like, like, you know, my big board, he's not ranked that high because if you watch him at Duke, you know, he just digressed been tremendously game to game. But I just feel like they feel, they could be the team be like, Jim, you could save this kid and make him a very offensive-minded weapon, and he could play really well next to Sexton. And he would and be taking three. absolutely terrible next to Sexton. That's the problem. Oh, he would be well, also that. horrible. I mean, but you're selling them on the offensive. I just feel like Reddish still has the oh, higher I, I agree. offensive threat side. So, I, I like I said in the beginning, the smarter pick the Culver, but they want the yeah. sexier pick. And I feel like Reddish is just written 
calves all over him. So I went with Cam Reddish. Yeah, no, I I actually literally for the last like week I've thought the same thing. Like Reddish, just like it it screams calves pick to me. Um, but I think I, the reason I kind of changed my mind on this was because of their coaching hire. John Beeline, like, he – I'm not necessarily certain that he'll get a say in this, but if he does get a say in this, I think he will kind of read between the lines and be like, look, like, I don't think – I don't think – like, not that Cam Reddish, like, doesn't have potential. Like, and he sure he's got the highest dealing of anybody, like, left on the board. Like, you know, like, people say he could be the next Paul George. I mean, I personally – I don't see that, but, like – there are people who say it, um, but like, um, I I <laughs> I just don't like the fit between him and Cam, um, essentially because uh, or not I'm sorry uh, him and um, uh, Sexton because Sexton is not a facilitator like he like he's not going to put Cam in positions to like make shots um or 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 to um get easy baskets um and and that is would be very very worrisome uh to me now you know if it were up to me in the in the scenario that you painted Culver would be the perfect fit um because he can he's honestly more of a facilitator than um than uh Sexton uh, and so, like, that would kind of end up working out where you kind of have your shooting guard being more of your facilitator and your point guard being more of your, um, like, like scorer. Um, but, no, I could still totally see them um, making that move. Um, you know, for me, because Culver is already off the board, it's really hard for me at this point to, like, look at who is available and think who – fits well with Sexton. He's a tough fit, man. Because um, he's really more of a, a shooting guard. He's like an Allen Iverson type. Not not to say he's like in that same, uh, you know, I, I hate to say that because um, he's not in, even in the same breath. But like he's that type of player. Like he's an undersized shooting guard. Um, but um, being that uh, they – would not have the luxury of taking Culver that I don't think Reddish would fit. Um, I like, I think ultimately, you know, Dan Gilbert and company, um, you know, just kind of get enamored with, you know, the whole, the college aspect of everything. And they say, look, dude, Deandre Hunter, he led his team to a fucking national championship, man. Like this kid, like he plays defense, he can shoot. Um, he has all of the adequate tools. Um, like he, he, he may or may not be able to contend off the dribble. Like that's yet to be seen. It's 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 the fact that he kind of at, at times struggled with that in college. Uh, even though it's in the ACC, which is obviously the most competitive league um, in in college basketball, but even still, like you're still picking a huge leap up from that to uh, the NBA. Um, so that that would obviously be concerning, but I think they just kind of talk themselves into DeAndre Hunter there. Um, 
just my personal feeling. I, I, like I said, I I thought it would be like up until like a you know a, a couple days ago. I thought it would be Cam, um, but I I do think they kind of kind of backward in some kind of backwards way talked themselves into DeAndre Hunter at that position. So that's what I'm going with. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on to uh, number six and. Um, that would be the Phoenix Suns. Who you got the Phoenix Suns taking? So I got the Suns, you know, Garland's off the board and all that. So I'm kind of thinking, like, who would play really well for them defensively to help out for Devin Booker being not that great at deep, well, just terrible defense, and Aiden a zero on defense, too. And you got to – help out one position and I think it's easier on the free agency market to help out on the guard than a big man so I went with um it can be considered you know a leap here but I went with Brandon Clark um might not have the highest ceiling out of the rest of the guys but I think the highest floor I mean so in the draft combine they put him with the small forwards because he kind of just measured out to there even though he's definitely not a small forward but still in everything I mean place the number one in agility so he's, he's faster than any small forward and, and power forward. So he's, he's, he's really quick on his feet and all that. Now, he didn't have the greatest measurements, but he's just a really smart, springy, defensive guy. And I feel like next to Aiton, he would do really well. And I'm with you that in my scenario and in this, like, what, like this world, that the Suns are now going to the Lakers and being like, what's it going to take to get Lonzo Ball to be? So if I have Ball, Booker, um, Brandon Clark and and DeAndre Ayton, that's not that bad. I mean, Who's I think you know, T.J. Warren, well, you, it's unfortunately T.J. Warren would be a good person to trade to the Lakers. I think, like, he'd be actually a good person. But, I mean, yeah. Booker's going to be shooting the ball all day for you. Well, I mean, that's what you want Booker to do, you shoot the ball. Guy, or though, DeAndre man. Ayton to shoot the ball down low. Well, you have Lonzo Ball and – See, this is this I mean, reminds me of like when Jawan was talking about how he would like Zion to go to go to them, and like you know, like obviously if if the Suns had got number one overall, they take Zion, but like it still begs the question of like who's shooting the ball? Um, that there's not going to be a lot of spacing on that team. Um, now I'll say this: if if you like if you take Clark and you try to Spread Aiden out because, like, here's the thing: Aiden didn't shoot any fucking threes hardly last year, but he's got range. Like, he's he's got a fluid jump shot that they could try to expand um, out to the corner, um, and 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 I definitely think he has the potential to be a league average, like thirty four to thirty six percent shooter from three. Um, so I don't I don't hate the Brandon Clark pick. I just don't like the notion of like taking that pick and then and then trading for Alonzo, who's also not a good shooter. Like at that point, I'd be like, let's take him and go get Terry Rozier. Like that that would be where I, my my head would be. No, I mean Rozier would fit well too, and you wouldn't have to trade. It's just you know, I, I basically in my mind, it's very a dated system, but um, I'm trying to run the triangle with. Devin Booker and um, DeAndre basically and some sort of guard to help out and I feel like Lonzo's that 
that guard to go to a backdated system where we're running the triangle and Brandon Clark just kind of floats around, does his thing. His mid-range game's been getting better, and just defensively, sure. just him and Lonzo just would make up just so much for the, the – you're getting a zero big time from Aiton and Devin Booker on the defensive end. So, but don't get me wrong, Rozier would be good and you could trade, but like – so that's why, I mean, the Suns, if they're just in one of those positions where they kind of got screwed slipping down, but – I mean, Brandon Clark has a really just a very interesting floor to me. Just he's like, like I said, there's he's probably way down there in the and the you know his ceiling. But like, really, if you really look at his game and like what he did at the combine, I mean, I think in his the agility, the jumping, he's in the top three, and he's in a. It's crazy. They put him with they put him in with small forwards. So if you're thinking he's really a power forward, it's just. He's just gonna he's gonna be able to move quickly. Yeah, he might not be that tall, and his wingspan not be that great, but I feel like he's gonna make up for it. He's just got one of those oh, motors yeah. that it's just he just he's not a Draymond Green, but he could be a poor man's Draymond Green and still be a very yeah. valuable asset. Yeah, no, I like Clark a lot. Um, I I I think he needs the the perfect fit, um, but I do like him a lot. Um, all right, uh, I I. I can see where you're coming from other than the Lonzo trade. Um, but as far as the, the Clark pick, I, I do, um, I do think there is potential there. Um, and I, I do think there is definitely potential that he could be like one of the six best players that come out of this draft. So, uh, so in that regard, you know, I can't knock you. Um, as far as for me, uh, it, it would be Garland. And like I said, I would think, this would be like a Garland for Lonzo kind of swap. Um, even if uh, even if it, it played out and, and the trade didn't happen beforehand, I still think if you're Phoenix, I think Lonzo just fits your team better than Garland. Um, you know, for for the sake of defense, like you need to have some perimeter defense, and Booker's just not giving you anything. So. Um, so, I, I mean, I think in that sense, even if the Lakers don't, like, sort of micromanage, manipulate, what have you, their way into to getting what they want out of it, um, I think that makes a lot of sense. But even if it doesn't, Darius Garland, uh, I mean, you would you would have, like, one of the best young offensive backcourts in the league, um, if not the best, uh, and, you know, that's there's something to be said for that. It'd be a lot of fun to watch that team. Um, again, I, I would worry a little bit about like how many shots Garland would be able to get, um, or potentially how many he would take away from Booker, and how that would um, how that would actually work. But like if if he's available at six, the Suns do not pass on him. Uh, so that's why I got him going Garland. Um, all right. Uh, Chicago Bulls, number seven. What you got? Man, poor Bulls. Um, you know, they just really needed a point guard. You know, they were, I think they're all in on the jaw thing. Um, you know, I, it's just it, there's no person. You know, you're not going to take a Culver for me. He's still on my board. Or DeAndre Hunter and all that. So, don't get me wrong. My pick is Kobe White. He's, I mean, he's still got a lot of upside, but he's, Still a far, a couple of years away from sh- like fully getting to that upside. He has a lot of 
things he's going to have to work out. It's not going to be a first-year, second-year kind of thing. You can see maybe by year three you're really starting to see him. But, I mean, then again, if I'm Chicago, I'm kind of in one of those plans where I'm just – I'm kind of in the rebuild for the long run. Um, so, you know, he, he he would make sense with my two my two big guys down low to Wendell Carter and uh, marking in. And so, I mean, yeah, you're not getting the, the John Moran or Darius Garland, but Kobe White did show a lot. Um, he's definitely helped his case. I mean, in March Madness, he helped his case out big time and all that. So, uh, it's just he's one of those players that it's not getting you any better, but I do think the Bulls are in it for the long run here. Yeah, man. Wow. it's I've got a lot of thoughts on this. I also have – have Kobe White here at seven. Um, but if Jarrett Culver is available, um, I, I know Kobe White has has made like an impact and risen up the board and, you know, like they're, they're, like all these prospects between like I'd say four and like 10 or 11 are like so close and interchangeable. Um but, like, if Culver is available, the fact that he does have some kind of um, – he, he kind of can be a facilitator. Um, like, you wouldn't want him to handle the ball for you all the time. But, like, being able to, like, facilitate in the half court, like, he can totally do. I think if, if that were to be the case, I, I would just kind of slide Levine over to the point, even though he wouldn't actually be the point guard. Um, he wouldn't be the facilitator of the offense. I give the reins over to Culver there, um, and just you know, kind of try to pair those two up because, like, honestly, like I feel like you're getting better defense from Culver. Um, you're not getting quite the playmaking that you would get from Kobe White, but you're getting so many other skills that are just better, um, uh, especially on the defensive end. Um, that I, I just can't imagine that they would pass over um, pass over him and and like and here's the other thing um, like I was and I know we talked about this earlier and you even brought it up in previous mocks um, if, if you get Culver and then you could like m- maybe you go out and sign Terry Rozier and like. Then you're, you know, you could look at bringing Levine off the bench as your sixth man. Yeah, you just paid a shit ton of money, and he'd probably feel flattered by it and all that. But like, he would make great sense as a sixth man. Um, and I, I don't know. I think that may be your better option if Culver is available. Um, if he's not, it depends on who's available. But I don't know. I, I do want to ask your opinion on that before I, you know, um, give my reason. I was going to chime in uh, real quick. No, I was going to yeah. chime in real quick. Here's my thing about Culver, and I understand everything you're saying. The whole guard thing of Levine, Culver, and then Chris Dunn is just absolutely, like, sickening. It is terrible all around. It sounds like a, just a whole mess of – all of your guards. None and of them are. Just, none of them are really point guards. That's the problem. None of them. Well, makes, it just, that, that's why I had to go with an is, actual point guard. He's not a good Culver. one. <laughs> no, it's just yeah. even no. if you go in Dunn Culver and have Levine off the bench, or Levine Culver and have, it's just 
I no, just done, I, done. That's why I went with the Kobe White because I was like, he's actually a point guard, and it doesn't look atrocious as you know the. That's why I understand the the whole Colbert thing, and and I'm with you. He's a better player and all that, but it's just like that whole guard situation's a gross mess, and I just I couldn't do it for the Bulls. Yeah. I guess I could get that. Um, I like it because, I mean, <laughs> Culver, you, you got Culver falling to eight, so that's good for my team. Um, but uh, as, as far as I'm concerned, for, for my particular um, uh, board or, or, or uh, mock, um, I also have him taking Kobe White. Culver obviously is off the board. Um, he does make a lot of sense for them. He's 6'5". He's only got a 6'3 wingspan, which is kind of – that's kind of weird. Um, but, uh, but at six, five, even with a six, three wingspan, like he's still, um, of like, you know, he's still a slightly bigger than average point guard. Um, and I, I do think he, uh, he obviously has the athleticism. Um, he, his shot looked really good down the stretch of the season for North Carolina. Um, I, I do think he could be a, a reasonably good facilitator for them. Um, I I don't have him ranked as, as my seventh overall guy. Um, I have him closer to like 11th or 12th, I think. Um, but given that the Bulls need a point guard, um, I mean, what are you going to do? Are you, are you really going to try to like take somebody else and then trade down? What are you, I don't feel like this is I know everyone's saying all these teams should trade down. Well, if everybody wants to trade down, then like nobody wants to trade up. Then what's the fucking point? No one's gonna trade up. So I, I think the notion of a ton of teams trading down in this draft is stupid because there aren't any teams who want to trade up. Um, so, uh, or if they if they do end up trading up, you're not going to get very valuable assets back in return. Um, so, like, don't be stupid. Um, you know, don't roll the dice, you know, if you're Chicago, because maybe, you know, Atlanta just decides, hey, you know, if you take somebody Atlanta or Washington want, maybe they're just like, well, there's these other guys we want, and then Minnesota's like, oh, Kobe White just fell to us. Okay, cool. Like, we need a point guard. We'll take him. <laughs> and then you're fucked. So, like, yeah, just if you have it available and you don't think you have another creator on your team, yeah, just take the point guard and call it a day. Um, So that's kind of where I was looking at with with my board. All right, moving on. Number eight, Atlanta Hawks. I assume you have them taking Jared Colbert? Actually, no, I have them taking Jared Colbert. Um, Right now. (laughs) helps out on a lot of team needs, a.k.a. defensively for um, you guys. Um, I think he'd play pair really well with Trey Young um, because, you know, like you've been saying, um, he could uh, he could definitely facilitate the ball and run the team, but I don't feel like that's really what he likes to do. I mean, I feel like, he, you know, he can definitely do it and create on his own and help others, but I just feel like, you know, he could definitely get to a shot and he would just help out with Atlanta or just, you know, play – really good team ball with the rest of them and just help that um, fun young Atlanta team. So this is actually a, a big win for the Hawks because they kind of get their guy and they didn't help. Cause 
like you said, I'm with you that I don't really see this anyone jumping up for anyone kind of a draft. So it worked out perfect for Atlanta here, and they're getting a very solid player in Jared Culver. Yeah, I mean, I would be fucking thrilled if this happened. Like, uh, Jared Culver on my um, big board is three. Uh, I have him ahead of RJ. Um, I wouldn't draft him ahead of RJ um, just because of the the ceiling that RJ could have. Um, But as far as, like, my personal big board, like, who I personally like the best, it goes Zion, Ja, Culver. Um, So... Like, if we got him at eight, that'd be fucking amazing. Like, I I would be ecstatic. Um, unfortunately for me and my board, um, I have him going number four. So, um, you know, it, he's not available at eight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he would be – to me, he is the number one guy for us right now. Like I said – I wouldn't trade up for him if it involved anything with 8 and 10. Like, I I would give, like, 8 and 35 to trade up for him. Um, Or, like, 8 and, um, you know, the the Cavs' protected first-round pick or OKC's future protected first-round pick. Like, something like that. Like, I'd give up that. But I wouldn't give – there's no fucking way. I've seen a lot of things floating about, like, um, Hawks should give up eight and ten to move up to five, and I'm like, what? Like, no. Like, what that? No. Like, that's that's the dumbest fucking idea. Like, no. Um, so like, there is a scenario where I could see us trading up to get him, but it wouldn't like just the way that this draft is. It wouldn't involve giving up a whole hell of a lot. And if we had to give up a whole hell of a lot, no, I'm not doing it. Um. But regardless, um, I look at this um, situation as far as what my board is. I feel like there are, um, at this juncture, really two guys, maybe three, um, who the Hawks would look at. I think it'd be Cam Reddish, um, Siku Dumboya, uh, or um, Nazir Little. Um, personally... I would look at it and say this. I would say, look, Siku Domboya definitely has, to me, he's the most unknown, which means he has the highest ceiling. Um, the cam ceiling is probably equally as high if, if we can ever get him to, you know, actually care. Um, and, you know, the fact that we would have, like, a really good facilitator around him and Trey Young would probably help him out a lot. Um Definitely the biggest wild card there is Nazir Little. Um, I, I still really like his potential. His his the way his body is built is just the he's a fucking beast of an athlete. Um, but ultimately, I think we would go Cam Reddish. The Hawks have already been reported to be like intrigued by Cam Reddish. I don't think we would trade up for him if he ends up going higher. But if he falls to us, I definitely, at eight, I definitely think we'll take him. Um, and, you know, I'd rather have Jarrett Culver, honestly. Like, like I'll much rather have Jarrett Culver um, because of his, you know, uh, already sort of proven defense. The fact that he's, I think, 
a, a much better playmaker than Cam Reddish. Um, like all of the attributes that Cam Reddish gets somewhat praised for are, are theoretical, whereas those same attributes that apply to Jarrett Culver that people a lot of times dismiss are actually proven. Um, so I, I, I think people just get somewhat infatuated with Culver's height and his length, um, and which Culver doesn't have. Reddish does. Culver doesn't. Um, but uh, nevertheless, I, I would way rather have Culver. But in, 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 you know, the way I think things will shake out as of now, I think Reddish is the guy who falls to us, and we take him, and we try to, you know, make the best of, of what we can there. Um, so I want to ask you just your brief thoughts on that before we move on to Washington. No, I mean, I, like I said, um, my I have a con- – like I, if you were to see the piece, like my little mantra, I have him and Reddish flip-flopped in mind. So I kept on putting, you know, Reddish on the Hawks and Cavs taking Culver, and then I was just like, you know, because I just feel like those two people could switch. So d- I did have Reddish for a while going to the Hawks. I mean, just I do think he would work well with you guys, with being able to play with Young, who could pass the ball really well, him not having to be one of the bigger options and just figuring out his own and potentially hitting that, um, what his feeling could be. Because I don't want to hold a grudge on him when it's just there was a lot of intangibles, like a lot of things working against him at the Duke team, even though it was a really good Duke team. It's just it's when you have three players that are basically the same size in same positions, you're having to do a lot of weird things. But Reddish definitely got hurt the most being on a team. But like I, like I said, I in mine I kept on flip flopping him and Culver um, for this spot. Yeah, no, I mean I, dude, I've done the same fucking thing. Like the, a lot of the other things have been um, very similar. Obviously, I think get you know, the Hawks need wings. The, the Cavs need wings. Cavs really need wings, like even more than the Hawks do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally see where you're coming from. All right, Washington, number nine. Who you got there? All right, so the Wizards are interesting. There's still, um, you know, some people that uh, show a lot of upside. But um, I feel like for Washington, if they keep their team the way that they have and all that, they really need a center. Or they're doing my thing where they trade with the Lakers and get Garland and, and Ingram to say Ingram's completely good and all that. They still need a center. So I'm going with – I'm not going with the guy that can – that's kind of got injuries and kind of control a lot outside and bowl of bowl. I'm going with the guy that's just, you know, defensively, and he really made a name for himself. I've been high on him. I, I always told you I, I'd love for the – I mean, if there's people that are not there for the Hawks to draft, I think he'd be good. And that's Jackson Hayes. Um, just you he, like him a lot. I do out of all the centers, man. I mean, dude, don't get me wrong. I really did like um, Porter, uh, but him just tearing so many ACLs, I'm not taking him at that high. I mean, I like, and Bola it's You know who I've got high on recently is, is Goga. Goga? Goga? Yeah, I mean, that's just. That say. I'm, if I'm Wizards fans, I mean, yeah, he sounds great, but I mean, and all. I mean, if I'm Wizards fans, he doesn't sound like you're going to be like, who is this? Like, I need to get something like. Yeah, Jackson Hayes doesn't have that big of a name, but at least he played in the United States. Like, he, people saw him maybe in college. Like, he was a good blocker and all that. So, I'm just 
I think they got to go center, and I, I, I'm just high on Hayes right now. Like, Gogo could be better in the long run, but I'm just going for it right now, and I just think Hayes, yeah, just the what he brings defensively is very good for the Wizards if they trade or if they keep Beal and Wall. Now they have a kind of a defensive minded center. See, I'm just not that high on Hayes. Uh, just in general, I'm not. I'm not high on taking a defensive center at any point in the top 20, I would say. Like, just, like, as a, as a rule of thumb, um, you got to be, like, mind-blowingly good for me to – defensively for me to want to take you, um, like, especially at 9 or 10 or – you know, even like I said, even twenty. Um, there's just so many guys out there who can give you that uh, nowadays. Uh, and 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 again, you don't know what you're going to get from it. And then for me, like, it, like, like great defensive centers. Um, they, they, you know, they're they're at least in today's NBA as of right now. And I think. I think a lot of our lens, and and I'll be the first to admit this, a lot of our lens is collective lens is 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 um, it, uh, it goes through how the Warriors operate and how good the Warriors are without um, said piece, and that doesn't mean that you know once their reign is done. Like you know, the defensive center won't make a comeback. It's you know, it's impossible to predict these things, but like. Um, we've seen really, really fucking great defensive centers essentially get fucking played off the court um, in in the playoffs. You know, I mean, look at what, you know, the Rockets were able to fucking do to Rudy Gobert, who, you know, just got voted first-team All-NBA center. Um, yeah, like, I think Embiid was able to make a bigger impact than Gobert because – he has a little more versatility, and he was going up against a less potent um, guard, uh, 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 just a less potent backcourt. Um, and, and you know, uh, I, I would say uh, the way that Philly runs their defense is a lot different than than, um, than Utah. So there's, there's a lot of factors at play there. Um, but, um, you know, I mean – he uh, Gobert was made ineffective. Capella was made ineffective in the series uh, between Houston and Golden State. Um, like, I just wouldn't reach there. Like, he's not even going to be. He's not even in my um, lottery. Um, and I don't know. Maybe I'm foolish. Maybe some team will will be super high on him. But like, because he has no like offensive skill set to bring to the table. I, I I'm not like super super high on him at all. Um, he's like in that twenty range to me, um, just personally. Uh, but um, I I think I'm in the minority in in that thought process. Um, but for me, Washington, um, given who you know has already been drafted on my board, um, I think. They would have a couple different choices here. I could see them going uh, Goga. I could see them going Siku. 
I could see them going Nas Little. Um, I could see them uh, potentially even going for a guy like Grant Williams, who I think I'm probably higher on than a lot of people. Um, I, I like. I think the fact that Washington is kind of, in my opinion, like a clean slate. Um, like you just out of outside of Beal and you're banged up John Wall, you have like nothing. Um, granted, you you know you do have um, uh, Troy, uh, who is a very versatile six seven guy who can play one through three, but like we didn't see him play at all last year, so we don't really know what he has to offer. Um, but um, I could see Williams being a good pick here, but for me personally, I'm going to go with the most potential upside of any of those guys. I'm going Seku Dumbuya. Um, I think um, he, he's got boomer bust written all over him. He could be, um, you know, just another guy that's in and out of the league, or, you know, he could be the next Pascal Siakam, um, or he could be like kind of maybe – even if you want to give him even more upside, he could be the bridge between Siakam and Antetokounmpo. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just don't think at that point in time you pass up on that kind of upside. Um, honestly, I, I think the Hawks would even consider taking him over Cam at eight. Um, my biggest thing with him is he's so raw. Um he, he has played a lot of really good games recently, um, but it's just a question. Like, you've got to get him in and sit down and talk to him and be like, like really pick his brain on how he reads the game because um, basketball IQ is going to be the make-or-break thing with him because um, he's got all of the, the necessary um, physical attributes that you want. Um, it's, just, it's just always so hard to rank these, um, you know, these these Euro players because we just don't get to see them as much. Like you're relying on mixtape clips of them, and you know, you're hoping that you find um, the mixtape clip of the guy who's like, these are his strengths, these are his weaknesses, this is where he could fit. Um, I haven't found one on Seiko like that yet. I found a ton of those on um, on Luca, and I was like, "Yeah, his weaknesses don't worry me. <laughs> like, I love the guy." Um, but like, you, you're not seeing as many of those on 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 these guys because they're not hyped or talked about as much as Luca was for good reason because they're not as good. Um, but nevertheless, I think that would be my pick for for the Wizards. I think you like kind of go big or go home. At that at that sort of range, um, and I think you know maybe you hit a home run, and if you strike out, like you're already gonna you're you're already in a hole. So like it's like what what does it really matter? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? No, I mean I like that pick. I thought you were gonna go with Williams for a second there, and I was gonna be like your Williams is to my haze. I was like because I have Williams. Well, don't get me wrong, I like Williams a lot, but. uh I definitely have him way, way lower in my yeah. in my draft yeah. order. I mean, don't get me wrong; he'd be fun, but I think you know. Where I still you're think at, I have him rated higher than most people. I have him at like fifteen or fourteen as far as my big board. 
um, not as far as like my my draft, but like big board, like he's like right in the middle of the first round for me. Like I I, I love his basketball IQ. It's just so off the chart. Yeah, I mean so, but no, I do like Seku. Um, I I do see a lot of his um his raw his rawness is very intriguing. Um, he I was watching a mixtape. It's funny you talking about this. I was watching a mixtape of today and um. He's actually pretty good on the open court facilitating. Like, um, saw a couple of uh, different games where he just got the rebound and he's already ready, like, dribbling up the ball or, like, instantly right off the rebound. He's looking right up and making these dime passes. So he does right. have a lot of upsides. Just if I'm Wizards fans, I'm just, I'm not in the mood to draft these, you know, potential really good foreign people. I've gone through enough. I finally got away from Grunfield. I want to kind of see something, and so that's why in my and Hayes makes it over, you know, Gogo and him, just because if I'm watching fans, I've been through a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel you. Um, like, it's, uh, I, I think it's a it's a case of floor over ceiling, um, or for me, ceiling over floor. And, like, there's, like, I go back and forth on these things. I'm not, I'm not a guy who's, like, always take one or the other like it just it 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 just depends um it depends on how you see a team and how you see a fit and everything else and positionally and it's 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 a fluid um uh a, a, a fluid um structure if you will um but yeah no nah, i mean i i i don't hate the pick for you you know for you i just i just i i just for me personally i i just I would just I, – I guess I'm speaking more from personal, like, uh, you know, uh, from from a point of passion. Like, I would hate it if the Hawks drafted Jackson Hayes. Like, I, I as much as I am not a bull bull guy um, at all, I'd, I'd almost rather, rather us draft bull bull just because, like, at least there's, like, this high upside potential. Um, I'd – it, like his defense just worries me. His defense is fucking atrocious. Um, but uh, nevertheless, without further ado, let's use that as a transition. Uh, Hawks number ten. Who you got? Uh, Hawks actually in my draft um, really worked out well. And not saying you know want to be a, like a big Hawks fan. Just like I said, I just I went with you know fits and when I think you know works best. But um, they're looking out and they're getting DeAndre Hunter. Um, definitely failed to him. Yeah. There's no reason not to take them. I mean, you could hell, go with... if we got Jarrett Culver and DeAndre Hunter, dude, I would be fucking thrilled. <laughs> yeah, like you could go with the Seku, uh, or even like I've seen people have been taking Hayes here, but he's gone on my board. It's just I just Hunter and Culver just seem like the perfect duo for putting next to Collins and Trey Young because you got two really good defensive-minded so people next to. Two terribly, I mean, to literally the worst-ranked defensive players in their respective positions. So you're you're helping that out with people, and they're three-point guys to just dish them out to, and and all that. So yeah, Hawks. Um, even though I feel like they're the one team that kind of got screwed in the mock draft uh, order, um, look out just because just not that I want them to do this way. It's just it's the way that you know I kind of see things and all that. And yeah, no reason not to pick the underhand hunter up. You'd be foolish to do that skip over him here. Yeah. No, dude. Like, that would be amazing if you fell to us at 10. Um, I, I would be super surprised if 
the Wizards passed on him. But um, I think, you know, the fact that they do um, they they do have uh, uh, shit. I already forgot his name. Um, <laughs> he's he's so unforgettable because he didn't play the dude from Oregon that they drafted 17 last year. Um, you know, they have him. Um, and he's, you know, essentially a, a three. He's six seven. He, he played point guard uh, back in high school, but, um, but like, you know, I, I expect him to get more minutes next year. Um, so maybe like they would, you know, go for a big. Um, but yeah, like if if that were to happen, like fuck, man, I'd be so happy. Like yeah, like those having two defensive, you know, players. Surrounding our, our two main guys, and then Alex Lynn, and then that would totally free us up to like be able to, you know, shop Ben Bembry and um, and uh, Prince, um, who are obviously on expiring deals, um, you know, restricted free agents, but nonetheless, like you know, I think you would shop them to see what you could get for them, so you didn't have to pay them next year. Um, but yeah, like that that would like that. You're literally, you have described my 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 best case scenario for my team. <laughs> so I I do appreciate it, um, even if it was not your intent. Um, for me personally, uh, as as far as how you know my mock has gone up to this point, um, I think if you have Kim Reddish at number eight, um, I think you look at. Uh, Having somebody who could fit another kind of wing wing position. Um, again, I'm not reaching on a center here. If I was to, if I were to do that, I would I would definitely go with um, uh, Go Go Gadget Badate, uh, which is my my nickname for him uh, at this point in time. Um, but uh, I wouldn't do that. I I don't necessarily like how he would pair with Collins because again, like Collins, not a good defender. Goga, not a, not projected to be a good defender. Um, you don't want your two front court guys to not be good defenders. Um, so I would go with, I would go with Nas, uh, Nazir Little. Um, he does have the potential to be a good defender as does Cam Reddish. Um, he, He's got the fucking NBA body. Um, he is um, was very underwhelming, but mainly because he didn't like earn like playing time. Like that was the thing. Like it's not that he didn't like play decent when he was on the court. He just didn't like he didn't get on the court. Um, and you know, I I think a lot of that uh, can be chalked up to and. and Plenty of people have said this, and I agree that, um, you know, him picking to go to North Carolina um, maybe wasn't the best fit because how Roy Williams likes to play, like, a too-big lineup. Um, When he did get to play in the tournament, he did look pretty good. Um, He had, like, a five-minute span. I can't remember who they were playing. want to say it was in the second round of the tournament. Um, but he had like a five minute span in the tournament where he was just like killing it. Um, and you know, that, that 
kind of gave me like some kind of glimpse as to what potentially maybe he could be. Um, and that like basically made me be like, all right, well, maybe he's not like a 15, 16, 17 guy. Maybe he is like a 9, 10, 11, 12 guy. Um, and the fact that we would like, in my opinion, we need wings. Uh, I, I would just take him and see what you can make of him just the same way that I did with Cam. Um, and, and for me, the biggest reason why you do that is you don't know if Cam's going to pan out. You don't know if Little's going to pan out. You're hoping that one of them, at least one of them, is going to pan out. If they both do, great. Like, you know, we'll figure out how we, you know, structure the lineup so that they all get minutes. Um, but, like, I don't think you can re- rely on either one of those guys to, to really pan out. So, um, you know, it, they're they're basically an insurance policy for one another, in my opinion. Um, and and that's kind of my reasoning uh, for going with both of those two guys instead of going for a big who, you know, I just think that if, if the Hawks really want to get a big, which I don't think we need, we got four of them. Like, Collins, not a true center, but he's a big. Uh, Amari Spellman, not a true center, but he's a big. And then we got Lynn, and we got Plumley for another year unless we wave him or whatever. Um, but, like, there's four of those guys on our roster already. Um, I'm not in any rush to, like, go for a big you know, outside of if we had gotten the number one pick, which I would have been like, all right, we're checking Zion and we're going to like reconstructure, you know, everything. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, our, our wing depth is not as great as I would like it to be. And so like, that is essentially what I would be looking at. Uh, and I think the fact that like Cam would have this, super long reach um, and Little would have uh, he's, he's obviously a lot shorter. He's only 6'6", six, six, um, but he's got the, I want to say 6'11 or 6'10 wingspan um, and then uh, you know, he's obviously like super strong. Like he's fucking built like a tank. Um, so like the, the, the fact that you could utilize those guys as your 3'4", However, you wanted to work that out depending on what other teams you were going against, whether you needed to hide at the four or strength at the four, you would have options there. Um, or, you know, whether you needed uh, foot speed at three or, you know, physicality at three, again, you'd have options there. So that is, that is where my thought process is. Um, what do you think about little going 10 is that too high for you for Little? It's not too high. I just don't like it. Um, you're just getting the same player in Cam Reddish. There's too much too much um, question marks and too much things that got to really help you and get you through. And um, I know, like, I'm reverse of you. I'm taking a big right here, letting they say whoever. I mean, I, like I said, I like defensive people. and But, you, I mean, you guys do have a lot of bigs, but none of them are really caliber that I'm building around in. Like, don't get me wrong, you're taking the best available players, and which makes sense. It's just they're the same player, they're the same position. Um, and so it's just – See, I don't think so, though. I think, I think in positionless basketball, they, like I said, 
depending on matchups, they're very different um, as far as, like, one's got height, one's got length and foot speed. The other's got strength, and um, he's, I mean, he's got the wingspan. He doesn't have the height, um, but, like, the, the, I think they're very different. In, in that sense, as far as like defensively and then offensively, I actually think little has more potential as, as somebody who can create for himself. We didn't see a lot of that um, in North Carolina. I don't think he really had a chance to really showcase it. Um, but I, I, I think they, um, I would say that they, they have equal upside to me as far as um, being able to create their own offense Um I could see why you wouldn't like it. I I think a lot of Hawks fans would be like, why are we like, why wouldn't we just take like, you know, a small forward and a center? That's what we need—a small forward and a center. Um, but like to me, like again, you just don't know that what you take is going to work out. Um, and and the fact that we, I I feel like we really need wings. Um, I'm just gonna take two wings. Hope that they both work out, but if only one of them works out, well, hey, at least I got one of them to work out. Whereas, you know, if you take a wing and a center and then your wing doesn't work out, well, and, but you do have a decent center, like, well, okay. Um, but we don't have, you know, the most important position in the NBA today. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. Just, I just see a lot of um... – you're trying to hit gold on one in in my thought right. process there. Yeah. I mean exactly. Um like hey, if we could get like if if our two wing players that we could draft were fucking Culver and Hunter, like that, dude, that'd be fucking great. I'd fucking love it. Um, but like my mock just doesn't have that panning out for us. Um but I can understand why you'd be like, if little is the guy that you're taking there Maybe you should just go with a big if because of the bigs that are available. But I'm just not blown away by any of them. Like Goga is my my favorite out of any of them. But uh, again, there's a lot of question marks there. And you know, I would I would even like Seku above Little. But I, again, I think I think Washington ends up like taking him. So. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. All right, uh, moving on. Number 11, Minnesota. Who you take? <clears throat> All right, so um, you already kind of got at me for taking a reach earlier. So this is um, it's going to be a very high reach in a lot of people's eyes, but you kind of watched the draft combine. He um, really, in my mind, helped his stock out the most, and I'm going to kind of go on this a little bit more. So on Minnesota, I'm already at $110 million next year in cap so pretty much don't have anything so I don't really want to spend any money and I kind of want to draft and stash and I think Seku is not a guy that you draft and stash I think you definitely kind of need to get him over here and make his rawness like figure out the game like Giannis but um I went with a guy that just really showed good range he stroked the ball from the three point um definitely was the best one out of scrimmage and then he stopped that he didn't compete in the second day because the team promised them, and that's uh, Luca Samanic. I think I pronounced that Samanic. Samanic? Are you fucking? Yes. You took Luca Samanic at eleven? Yeah. Uh, drafting stats, baby. 
I'm Minnesota. I'm on 110. He's dude. He's got a lot of that stroke, man. And him next to Cat later on, you know. Dude, you've already got Dario Saric. I know he plays right behind Sarge, man. I'm drafting and stashing this guy just like he kind of did with Sarge. And then when he's ready, he plays behind him. I mean, I need to save as much money as I can in Minnesota. I'm in cat nightmare almost. Not nightmare because there's a lot of other teams, but I'm already just stuck with this team that I have unless I want to start trading some people from it. So I just, you know, I, I went with the guy that he, if you keep him, if you trap them now and you just stash them away in a couple of ye- in a year or even a couple of years, once you get more free money, because after this next after the next following season, they they free up a lot of space, so you can bring them over. And I just I like them coming off the bench around Sarge and two good power forward shooters around him. I mean, dude, if you watched the combine, he had a good oh he was three great. point stroke. He was he was the biggest winner of the combine. So. I just went with um, – I got. don't get me wrong, I, I like Seku, but I just don't feel like he's that type of player. He's so raw that he needs to – just like Giannis, he needs to come instantly into the NBA and start figuring it out and, and really get good. But Luca, I feel like you can still keep him overseas. His shot's just going to get better and more confident. And then you bring him off the bench, and now you're going Dario and him. It's just really good spreading power forwards for – Carl Anthony Towns, who have obviously wow. made a commitment to in the end. Dude, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah like, you mentioned it pre-show. You were like, I have some fucking hot takes. That's a fucking hot take. Like, I <laughs> I, I think that he is um, – he's definitely risen up the board. He's going to probably be, in my opinion, a early to mid-20s pick. So we'll say between 20 and 26, um, uh, you know, after his combine performance, because it was fantastic. He was absolutely, bar none, the biggest winner of the combine. Um, I think the only guy who maybe could hold a torch to that is Nicholas Claxton. Um, UGA, baby. Uh, But, um, yeah, Um, man, I – that's crazy. That is fucking insane to me. No, I, I, I could could not conceive of them doing that. But hey, like you know, you got your reasons. I mean, you laid them out pretty nice. Um, I I feel like if you were to do that, let let me just say this: if you were to do that, wouldn't you be shopping Dario Saric at that point though? Like, wouldn't you be trying to trade him for like a point guard? Not for another year. Like I said, I mean, I could go for for a year, have them stashed out, and then once I lose Teague's terrible contract off my books and and um, Jiang's um, terrible contract off my books. That's two more years. But, yeah. now, but now I can kind of like, you know, I can now think about I could package Dario with another bad contract. It's, I want to get him more like yeah, but you trade value spend. higher. So I want to definitely make him start. Dario is expiring, so you like you, you gotta you gotta resign him, and then you're looking at trading a resigned contract, so you'd have to wait until I guess uh, December um, of not this upcoming December, but the following December. Um, I don't know, like I I think in in that case I I would be looking at trading Dario, um, like to st- or at least put him on the market to see like what 
what caliber of, you know, backup point guard on some other team who could maybe be a starter on our team would, um, that it, it could fetch. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be tough. I mean, Dario is like really good. Um, I, I still don't think he's been put in the best scenario for him. Um, whether it at, was in Philly or, or now in Minnesota, which I think is even worse. Um, I think, I think he's a better facilitator than he's been, um, able to, uh, to, to really, um, uh, show. Um, and, and I don't think he's as much as like this corner three shooter. I think he's more, um, uh, the post off the dribble, um, score in the paint kind of guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Interestingly enough, though, I also have a power forward going here. Um, despite them really needing a point guard, uh, because Brandon Clark fell this far for me, um, to me it's just like you have to go Brandon Clark. Um, if you compare Brandon Clark, who like the biggest hangup with him is, well, he can't shoot. Well, you know what? I've got a fucking center who shoots over 40% from three. So I'm not that worried about him not being able to shoot. Um, Yeah, let me pair those two guys up. And the fact that Brandon Clark plays, like, elite fucking defense and can, like, rotate um, and is uber fucking athletic. Uh, Yeah, let me me get that uh, to go alongside with Cat and see where we get there. Um, I... See, and that's the thing, like, because if he fell to them, I think you obviously take him because of the fit. Um, And then, like, I totally think, like, you um, try to look for what you can get for Sarge. At this point, I don't expect it to be nearly as much as it would have been going into, you know, last season um, because he played great for, you know – uh, Philly throughout the year. He didn't play great in the playoffs, but he played great throughout the year. Um, but he, like, once he got traded to Minnesota, he just he just kind of disappeared, honestly. Um, but maybe you could get some kind of value for him. Um, some kind of, uh, like, honestly, again, what you really want is, like, some kind of point guard who can maybe be, like, of some kind of promise. Um, see, it, like, I would be thinking if I'm them, maybe if Phoenix drafts or trades for a point guard, maybe you say, hey, Phoenix, we'll give you Sarich for like Ely Okobo and a future first. Or like, and they have that, that Milwaukee first next year, so maybe that works. Um, or maybe DeAnthony Melton and a future first. Um, like some, like look for some kind of trade like that where you could at least have somebody who you could like watch behind Teague, um, in his final year and like just kind of see what you can get out of them. Um, maybe it's nothing, but like, you know, I don't like if I'm taking a power forward, I don't necessarily want to extend Sarich anyway. Um, so yeah, especially with my cap space situation with Wiggins and Towns, um, especially Wiggins. Uh, but, yeah. Anyway, your thoughts on that before we move on? 
Don't no, you yeah, think Forrest would be pick... like an amazing fucking fit with Towns? Like if no, no, if you right? didn't pick if you didn't pick Clark, I thought I was gonna be mad. No, trust me. The only reason I have Clark going to the Suns is because he just it's just him him playing against Aiton and Carl Anthony Towns makes perfect sense to help out on what they're terrible at. Well, I wouldn't say right. Cat has more defense defensive upside. He just kind of just zones out and gets you know he low does. Just, so yeah, but no, Clark's definitely in your board. If you didn't draft him right here, I would have just been like, no. I, like any person, I just would have been like, no, no, no. Yeah, no, <laughs> and I would, uh, I would totally uh, understand that. Um, all right, uh, Charlotte, number twelve. Whew. All right, Charlotte's uh, a shitstorm of an organization. I was gonna say, <laughs> first things first. Like we, we, we only have about. Five minutes left for these last three teams, so keep that in mind. Um, but first gonna, things first, I'm going to make this sure, one quick. Uh, well, Kimba, well, I want to ask you this: Kimba just uh, made thirteen All NBA. Do you do you extend him? Do you give him the supermax? No, please, no. no. I right. mean, yes, it makes sense. It makes sense that you know you want to do it to your guy and all that, but no, now you can do nothing to to build around him, like literally nothing to build around him. So now we're just stuck in this Hornets limbo where they love to be at, and it's just like, we're just a mediocre team. But we're not mediocre where we can almost slip into the playoffs. We'll just always be in this 9 to 13 range in, in the That's lottery draft. Absolutely not worst range. Just, I think they need to let Kimba go, and for my pick um, – there's just nothing, you know, that, you know, now that I, my team, in my mind, Kim is gone. So I just went with the guy that just maybe has the most possible raw upside, and that's uh, Seku um, Duombia, just because I feel like, you know, what do you have to lose now, Charlotte? I mean, you might have a very athletic, you know, with him and Miles playing next to each other. And, True. you know, Malik Monk, and it's just like you're just going in a – you finally decided to go complete full rebuild and let Kimba walk. So I went with, you know, just a guy that very big question mark. There's no one out there right now. Yeah, you could go little for me. You go Romeo Langford or Kevin Porter. But I just think like right now, if I'm Hornets, I want to go complete rebuild. And I think, you know, uh, Seku just, it's just a lot of question marks, but a lot of like, ooh, wow, if I can just get him over here and really just put him around some talent, what can we get out of him? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think if he falls that far, he's definitely who I would take there because um, he's already off my board. Um, I'm going to take the guy – I'm going to take the cousin of the guy they should have taken last year, um, who actually they did take and traded who they shouldn't have traded. Um I'm going to take uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, um, and this is this is a huge um, reach for most people. Um, I think he's ranked around 20 for most uh, most boards. I have him ranked higher than most. I think I have him at 14. Um, but like for me, he is six five. Uh, obviously, he is. Um, Shea Gilgis, Alexander's cousin. Um, dude, he's six five. He is a playmaker, a creator. He can get his own shot. Um, he kind of fits all a, a lot of similar boxes to Shea. He's less of a point guard, 
more of a shooting guard, but I think you could craft him into a point guard. Um, and him being 6'5", he could potentially work next to Malik Monk, who is six foot three. Um, so you could play those two guys together in the backcourt with Bridges um, at your three or your four position, depending on um, how you fill out that roster. Um, I think that is, to me, um, the absolute best fit. And because there's not any, there doesn't, for me, because like Seku's gone and like any of the like boomer bus guys are gone outside of Bull Bull, who I just I'm totally out on now. Um, I don't I don't think there's necessarily like a better guy for them to pick um, at, at this current position. I just think he would be great for them. I think they should have taken Shea last year um, because I think um, Shea a backcourt of Shea and um, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, would have would have fit so fucking great. Um, and you know, like don't make the same mistake twice. Take the the super oversized guy who can run your point and just roll with it. Since you have such an undersized shooting guard, um, and you know, like I I I think that makes a lot of fucking sense. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see them do that. I don't think they will. I don't think he's high enough on most people's boards, um, for them to do that, but I am really high on him. I really fucking like his game. Dude, he played so fucking good at Virginia Tech, um, and I don't think he gets enough credit. I don't think he gets enough praise, um, and I don't think he, 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 I don't think Shea got enough praise. You know, you and I had the debate last year, um, like I said, Shea would be the second best point guard of that draft. I think you took Sexton, um, and I I think you can make an argument for either one, but I would definitely like feel like like Shea um, has has the better future going forward. Um, and part of that is you know the the team that he's on and and the surroundings and everything. But um, but yeah, I I, I think Shea is going to be really good. I think Nikhil Alexander Walker could be equally as good. Um, so if I'm Charlotte and I'm not going to keep Kimba, that's the guy I'm taking because, again, I just think he pairs very well with what you got, and I don't think there's necessarily a better option, um, a, a certainly not a better option that pairs well with what you got. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, Miami Heat, number 13, who you got? I'm just going to make these two quick because they're just not really that big of a deal in my mind. Just um, sure. kind of went with he, I just go with Kevin Porter. Um, it really came down to him or Romeo Langford right here. I could go with Nick Alexander, but I just feel like I just go with Kevin Porter. And then Celtics, I feel like there's a person who just fell into Danny's lap who really likes these long, crazy, uh, like power forward, small forward kind of guys. And I'm with Nazir Little. Just I feel like he just has Danny Ainge written all over him. If he falls to 14, there's no reason not to take him here. Yeah. No, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think that makes a lot of sense. I also have Kevin Porter Jr. going to Miami on my board. Um, it's kind of funny how he, like, we have so many different picks, but both like, he both ended up uh, for us there. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I, I think he makes a lot of sense. He's got a lot of upside, but he's got a lot of robust potential. Um, uh, his free throw shooting, absolutely, I find concerning. He shot, like, 50 seven percent from the line or something like that 
um, uh, from the, for the season, uh, and that is super concerning. Um, but he actually shot like a reasonable clip from three, which is weird. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think his athleticism and everything he could bring to the table. Obviously, he's got the off the court issues too, but I don't think Miami. Pat Riley and them would really concern themselves too much with that. I think he makes a lot of sense there. Um, for the Celtics, I, um, because he's still on my board and because maybe you could convince him to be a draft and stash, I got Goga Badatsi. Gogo Gadget Badatsi. Um, I, I, I think he would be a very interesting pick for them, regardless of whether he would actually consider being a stash, if he would be if he if he would be cool being a stash, that'd be the absolute best case scenario um, for the Celtics, and yeah, that that would be amazing for them. But if he wouldn't, I would still take him because um, you only got Horford uh, for like guaranteed for one more year if he opts in. Um, he's obviously older. So it doesn't necessarily fit your timeline anymore. If you're if you're building around your young core, I don't think you like. Yeah, there's all this talk about like Terry Rozier. He's like you're talking shit about the franchise. He's it's definitely gone. Like I don't necessarily buy into that. Like I, and regardless, you still got Marcus Smart. You still got, like you got a young core of of guards and forwards. You don't have. Um, to me, because I don't have a lot of faith in Robert Williams, never did. Um, I, I I think you got if you can get somebody that skilled um, and who can like shoot, uh, can handle the ball pretty well, is a very adequate passer. Um, he's not going to ever be an elite defender, but like maybe at some point you could plug someone beside him who could be. Um, I think perimeter defense is way more important nowadays, especially in the playoffs, than post-defense. I think post-defense is, like, super important in the regular season, not as important in the playoffs because you get switched off people. um, And, you know, the fact that, like, you know, if you're Rudy Gobert and you get switched on to fucking Steph Curry, you're going to get smoked, um, and that's just the way it is. Um, You know, if you're you're Goga Badatse – uh, you know, the fact that maybe you're not the best post defender, I don't think means as much in, in the long run, um, in the near future. Um, so I don't know. I think that would be a great pick. Honestly, I wouldn't even be mad if my Hawks took him at 10. Um, I really like this guy. He's, he's, uh, I think he's up, he's the number one true center on my board right now. Um, and I think. I have to really go back and take a look at it. I've, I've been struggling with how I'm going to rank these guys for ne- my next big board, but he's like in between like 11 to like 13, like right in that pocket. Um, so like if he's available for the Celtics, I would take him and try to convince him to draft and stash. What are your thoughts there? Oh, I absolutely hate it. I hate to tell you that so much. Um, I wish you would have <laughs> taken him at 10. So now the little would fall. Um, I'm not a person that's – I don't want a big center from international. I just don't think they've ever panned out. Like, But there's, there's – right now, there, it's very hard to say, but I just – for your board, I'd rather go with a P.J. Washington here. Um, if we got to go, you know, he he's, he's, might not have as the bigger ceiling. All right, or, Mr. Kentucky. 
player role. Or, you're gonna take him or, or, or if I had to go with the center that I could maybe not draft and stash, he's just injured, I'd take Jonte Porter, too. Um, I just, I'm not big on Gogo. I just, I need to watch him a lot more. I need to see him wow. play. Wow, Jonte Porter I've seen a lot. Keep in mind, I still I have Jackson Hayes available. <laughs> you know, can just but, take Jackson okay. Hayes. Oh, I, I forgot you had Jackson Hayes. I'm just one of those guys that I really need to see bigs from Europe play against, like, big-sized athletes from the United States that are faster and all that. It comes to a very disadvantage when you come over and you're big. You know, smaller guards can do it a lot easier and it's just it's I just I'm not uh, I just I really need to see him play more and I'm I'm not one of right, the guys you don't like, that's just, it. Okay. I, I think I'd rather have him at twenty. I'd rather if I could get him at twenty I would take him at twenty. That's where I'm also at too. I feel like he would fall to twenty somehow. I don't think he'll be available rate. at twenty. I don't like it. I don't know. I don't even know if he'll be available at 14, man. He's rising up a lot of boards very quickly. And when we see guys do that, they usually are not available at 20. Um, But, you know, hey, uh, I I mean, Herter did that too, and he went at 19, so maybe. Um, There was someone who did that the year before too. Oh, uh, fuck, dude, of course, it's Donovan Mitchell. Um, uh, And he ended up going at 13, so like – um, I don't know. It's just hit or miss with those guys who like just jump up boards, you know. Um, I, it, it, I, I think you just never know. Um, but no, I mean, I feel you. I, like you're expressing some of the same concerns I have with taking him. Regardless, like, well, I don't want to take a big in general. Um, but like, I don't know. Out of all the bigs, I think he has the most upside. I really do. Um, just the the fact that he. Um, and I guess to me, because I'm kind of like buying into that Travis Schlink logic, I want guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot. Like this kid can dribble, pass, and shoot at at you know six eleven, um, and, and you know with the what whatever wingspan. I think it's like seven two or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, he's the only center in this in this uh this draft who can dribble, pass, and shoot. Other than Bol Bol, who can't re- actually can't really pass, uh, can dribble and shoot, um, but can't do shit on defense, and is just yeah has the foot injury. And God, I like let's not end this just talking shit about Bol Bol. A lot of my my fellow Hawks fans really like him, so I don't I don't feel like I should do that. Um, but uh, regardless. Um, any any final thoughts before we wrap it up here, Luke? No, I just I think it's going to be a very interesting draft. Um, I see a lot of movement going on everywhere. It's not even in the top ten. I feel like even some teams trying to just trade their picks and being like, I'm going to add this pick to this terrible contract. Please get it off my books. I just this one, like I said, it's just me and you differ big time. Everyone's going to differ. It's Right after you hit your 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 top three players, it's just it really comes on preference and and who you like and I don't feel like there's a lot of scouts that are out there like seeing eye to eye and and all that even like on the same team like working as scouts and all that. I just feel like it's all over the place for a lot of teams and I feel like there's going to be this draft might have a lot of movement on the night of or right after a lot of the people got traded from their respective drafted teams. Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be the way it goes, man. 
because after three, it's a fucking shit show. Like, it, it, everything's up in the air. And then also you have all the Anthony Davis trade rumors. Um, there's going to be the Bradley Beal trade rumors. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be so much fun to watch. And what a time to be alive, to be an NBA fan. It, it's going to be great. Um, but, hey, uh, fun show. Thanks, as always, Luke, for joining uh, me for, uh, you know, our uh, – mock drafts uh always enjoy it uh thanks man and uh look forward to having you back soon yeah thanks for having me man peace out peace brother all right y'all be sure to uh check out uh we got a few more things coming down the pipe we got next week we're going to do our uh uh finale awards for the season we've had a lot of those uh uh all team nba's uh, list drop this week, so we're going to be breaking down the hours as far as uh, those and our, and our MVP votes and all those other things. Uh, and then also Geek Vibes Live uh, this weekend, so be sure to check that out as well. I know we're going to be breaking down that Once Upon a Time Hollywood trailer, so uh, be sure to check in to that. Until then, peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.